You only had to listen. It's happening. I could have saved you. I tried to warn you. You looked away. You asked for this. You've made your bet. No, I didn't. Always give your best. It didn't have to end like this. Never get discouraged. It's happening. Never be petty. It didn't have to be like this. Always remember. It's happening. Others may hate you. You could have prevented this. Those who hate you don't win. It's happening. So what is happening? Well, I thought it was time now, considering that for the next few days I won't have a show to give you something to think about. We hear the term, the storm, and we look for weather. And then there's the, the, the factions that look into weather manipulation tools, which we've had for forever. How do you think we deal with farming? How do we keep people in check? What people need to understand is what the storm really means. And the storm is you standing together, organizing the revolutionary movement. That's what storm stands for. Standing together, organizing the revolutionary movement. That's what storm stands for. That is why the storm is you. Now, there is a lot going to be happening this week. It's already started this weekend and boy, it's in pure panic mode, all of it. I dropped a lot of nuggets today, a lot of old nuggets, a lot of markers, because for anyone thinking that I just got into the game opportunistically, I wanted to demonstrate just how long I have been seeking a way to fix things. Everybody does, right? When you get into something, you get in to fix things, whatever your motivation may be, whatever that motivation is. Everyone starts somewhere. And so I wanted to show you how the newspapers in the past were telling you exactly everything you needed to know. When I saw what happened at the Capitol, (laughs) I was like, wait a minute, this plan looks oddly familiar. But the news had told you. They put it on their front page on March 28th, 2014, where you see Chucky giving a thumbs up standing for the Ukraine. And they're telling you that Russia is sending troops, but all the troops you see in the picture are Chinese. This is it. It's all going to be coming down from now. It started this weekend. So today I thought we'd cover a little bit of current things. And then I'm going to really introduce you to money. Because I've said this for years now. My thing was always money and energy. There is everything in between, though, because energy requires war, game theory, hmm, psyops, and money is the product and what drives it. You're going to understand just why, you know, a lot of people saw the Epstein thing and said, ooh, they're going after Deutsche Bank because of Epstein and they're going after it because of Trump. Well, I also told you that I had a very long internship with DSK and 
uh, they were a, the investment institutional arm of Deutsche Bank. <laughs> That's where the money was. That's where I was. And I interned for them for a very long time. Funny enough, the head of the Asia PAC, which I was joint to at the hip during my internship, is now in charge of clean energy in Singapore. Energy, energy. So I'm going to take you back in time. We're going to talk about 9-11 a little bit because it all ties in. You're going to understand how this is. Remember, they banned President Trump from the internet, okay? They banned him from a global platform. That's how popular he is, and that's how huh, dangerous someone like him is to them. Because standing together and organizing a revolutionary movement usually requires a leader. And I'm going to take you back in time to a long, long time ago, just a few years, where Owen had tweeted, and I quote, this was a criminal act and highly reckless. It risks lethal retaliation, a new round of regional conflict. Iranian leaders would be wise to wait for the return of responsible American leadership on the global stage and to resist the urge to respond against perceived culprits. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did we get the responsible people in? Is that the responsible people that we've been waiting for? Those of cancel culture and starting wars when they're bored or when they're hungry or when they're low on funds? Because darn those freaking Redditors, they've taken over our market. We can't do that anymore. We're going to get caught. We're going to get caught. So what do we do? Well, listen to what the congressional Republicans are talking about cancel culture. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I ask unanimous consent that members have five legislative days to revise and extend their remarks. Without objection. Mr. Speaker, cancel culture is a dangerous phenomenon. The total silencing and erasing of people and truths the progressives dislike. Americans are beginning to see what cancel culture is really about. A recent survey found that 64% of Americans now believe cancel culture is a threat to freedom. Cancel culture aims not only to cancel certain elements of society, but to replace them. Consider the following. For years, the political left has attempted to erase parts of our American history, especially our founding and the story of 1776. Why? Because their goal is replacement. In place of America's true history, the progressives want to push the 1619 Project. This false narrative presents students with an alternate history, an alternate reality, that our nation was founded not on the principles outlined in the Declaration of Independence, but instead on a race pursuit of expanding slavery. Canceling 1776 makes sense only in the broader context of this effort to advance a false narrative. Other areas of curriculum are being canceled in favor of critical race theory. Just last week, the Biden administration announced that it will use taxpayer funds to push critical race theory in public schools across the nation. Critical race theory is the backdoor way to teach Marxism to students and adults in this country under the guise of pushing equity. 
In my state of Colorado, the oil and gas industry is being canceled. The goal? Replace it with Green New Deal objectives. Schools named after our founders must be renamed after liberal icons, according to the left. Professors and journalists who will not kowtow to the progressive agenda find themselves replaced in their jobs. Our, li our list of examples could go on. I am joined tonight by my colleagues who wish to help expose cancel culture. The examples we will highlight touch on all aspects of cancel culture, but they all have one thing in common. In each instance, progressives seek to cancel, cut, censor, and silence so they can move to the next phase, replacement culture. Thank you, and I would like to yield to my good friend from Arizona, Mr. Biggs. I thank the gentleman. You know, cancel culture is eroding the very foundation of who we are as an American people. Rowan Atkinson, the star of the British series, TV series, Maigret, said, it is like a medieval mob coming to burn witches. That's what the cancel culture is all about. How about taking an, an analogy from George Orwell's 1984 novel, where they take history and they throw it into a chute and, and they revise history constantly and you can't even control what you think anymore. That's what cancel culture is becoming. How about from a book called uh, The Girl with Seven Names about a courageous young woman who escaped from North Korea? And she tells us how North Korea did the same thing. How about China under the China, Chinese Communist Party as, re, as reported in the 100-year marathon by uh, Mr. Pillsbury who wrote that book? That's what's, what we see happening. This attempt to erase who we are individuals, and then replace them with something else. Let me give you some other examples. Pepe Le Pew, no longer tolerated by the left, by the woke mob. Miss Piggy, canceled. Dr. Seuss books, canceled. Here's some others. How about this one? The Goya Foods, because, because this guy had the temerity, Robert Uenua, who's the CEO of Goa Foods, had the temerity to support President Trump. So he's attempted, people tr attempted to boycott and cancel his business. Senator Josh Hawley writes, look, he's canceled because he says that he wants election integrity. How about Washington, Lincoln, and Jefferson? San Francisco erases those schools named after Washington, Lincoln, or Jefferson. Matthew Iglesias, the liberal opinion writer, resigned from Vox, a company that he co-founded because his woke staff says, oh, he's too center-right. How about Tucker Carlson, Sean Kennedy, Laura Ingram, all attacked, all attacked for being conservative voices. And what is the attack? It is to silence conservative voices. The new rule is we will only be tolerant if you are accepting of our views, not just accepting, if you comply, not just compliance, you bow to the tyrannical rules of the left. Gina Carano, the Mandalorian actress, she's fired by Disney because she says, that being a Republican in 2021 is like being an, a Jew in Nazi Germany. So she's got to go. They cancel, they cancel uh, the action figure named after her. Adam Rubenstein, former New York Times reporter and editor. He's got to go because he lets Tom Cotton's piece get published in the New York Times. Oops, we can't have that. J.K. Rowling, the very successful author of the Harry Potter series. She is canceled because she has the temerity to suggest that... Um, 
transgender rights can, might endanger women's rights. You can't have any any conflicting view out there. No, you can't do that. Um, and then Mike Lindell, you know him. He's the My Pillow guy. He's on TV all the time advertising. You can't have him because he's a friend and supporter of Donald Trump and questions the election results. We have reached a point in our society where the left says, if you do not bow your knee to what we say is the new norm and the only acceptable dogma, if you're a heterodox in any way, we are going to cancel you, we will dox you, we will erase you, and that it cannot stand and it will not stand. And this group, I thank the gentleman from Colorado, we will continue to fight this outrageous, this outrageous attack on who we are as an American people. With that, I yield back. Tell us about a very sad circumstance in her home state of, of North Carolina. I recognize uh, Congresswoman Fox. Mr. Speaker, I thank my colleague for recognizing me tonight for a very uh, short but very serious and solemn set of comments. Mr. Speaker, across America, law enforcement officers Mr. Speaker, I rise today to pay tribute to two members of the Watauga County Sheriff's Office who lost their lives in the line of duty on April 28th. Sergeant Chris Ward, an eight-year law enforcement officer, and K-9 Deputy Logan Fox, a former deputy of the Ashe County Sheriff's Office, left an indelible mark on Watauga County. This is a tremendous loss, not only for Watauga County, but also for law enforcement across the state and country. These two fallen heroes dedicated their lives to law enforcement, and many who knew them recognized that their passion for serving the community they were proud to call home was second to none. This Monday, a Community Day of Remembrance in Boone, North Carolina, was held in their honor. Businesses, organizations, and proud citizens of Watauga County came together to show their overwhelming support for law enforcement and first responders. Mr. Speaker, across America, law enforcement officers like Sergeant Ward and Deputy Fox wake up every day with one important goal in mind, fulfilling their duty to uphold law and order. These proud men and women leave for work knowing that they may not come home to their families, but still they answer the call to serve without a moment's hesitation. That level of commitment to one's duty and community is truly awe-inspiring. And I firmly believe that we owe law enforcement a profound debt of gratitude. Mr. Speaker, I will always support law enforcement across this country. They are the true gatekeepers of law and order, and they must be respected. Calls to defund the police from the left are egregious and divisive. That rhetoric is profoundly dangerous and is an insult to the men and women who work around the clock to protect us. God bless the countless law enforcement officers across this country and their families. We are forever grateful for the sacrifices you continue to make. And I yield back to my colleague from Colorado. I thank the gentlelady from North Carolina and, and assure her that our thoughts and prayers are with her and, and the families of those who are, are fallen. I now recognize my, my good friend from uh, Texas, Mr. Roy. I thank the gentleman from Colorado. I thank him for organizing this important topic of conversation. And I thank the gentlelady from North Carolina for recognizing the law enforcement officers in her home state, much like the rest of our states who put their, line on, put their lives on the line every single day to defend us, protect our communities. This is an important week, obviously, for law enforcement. And I think it's germane to the point that my friend from Colorado is making about canceling because this whole notion of canceling isn't just about corporations. It's just not about technology. It's not just about Amazon. It's not just about Twitter and Facebook. It's about canceling the very people that are 
like our friend from North Carolina was talking about these law enforcement officers canceling police officers, canceling law enforcement, canceling those who are standing up and defending us every single day. We hear it. I had a little girl in my home district in Austin who wrote a project for her school in which she was uh, outlining the uh, how she was upset about her father, her dad, who's a police officer, was being treated. And how when he would come home and, and he, you know, was despondent a little bit about the day because our law enforcement officers are being harassed, targeted, criticized, mocked, defunded. And this is purposeful. This is happening every single day. And we're, we're, we're literally working to cancel law enforcement. In Austin, Texas, they defunded police, $150 million. Now we've seen a 50% spike in homicides of homeless encampments all across the street. We have the 1999 levels of funding for police department for a city that's grown by leaps and bounds since then. This canceling of law enforcement leaves us at risk. It undermines the very security of our communities, but it's real and it's happening in real time. 20 major cities have cut police budgets. Uh, $1.7 billion has been cut for police departments nationwide. But it's not just law enforcement. We're talking about that here because of my friend from North Carolina. But it's about corporations. Our nation, we're sitting here in the people's house in front of the American flag. And our nation right now is increasingly run by corporations more than the men and women who are in this body. I mean, think about it. We hardly ever meet. We never amend. We never debate. We never do any actual give and take here on the floor. We get up and speechify a little bit. Meanwhile, corporations are deciding who gets to get their voice heard. Corporations are deciding, by the way, what election laws are warranted in Georgia or Texas. Venerable corporations like Coca-Cola, Delta Airlines, Major League Baseball in the United States of America. Baseball has been politicized. Baseball. Can't even watch baseball with my son without having to figure out and worry about how he's going to be viewing America because Major League Baseball has decided it's more important to be woke and move the all-star game from 50% black Atlanta to 10% black Denver. Why? So they go around patting themselves on the back in Colorado while they tap, you know, say, look at me, I'm driving my Subaru and I've got an Apple sticker on my car. No offense to the gentleman from Colorado. But is that woke? Hank Aaron passed away this year. We could have celebrated his life with an all-star game in Atlanta, Georgia, and woke corporate Major League Baseball decides it's more important to make a statement about election laws in Georgia which, by the way, the proposed laws are very little different than the laws in Colorado, as my friend from Colorado knows. But they wanted to make a statement through their corporate power and their woke corporate boards. They're packed with all these elite Harvard Business School and Yale School of Business types that are going into these corporate boardrooms and trying to tell us how to live our lives in little old Texas or, or Georgia or Colorado. That's what we face with these corporations that are trying to tell us how to live. I appreciate my friend from Colorado pointing and giving us the time to focus on this important issue tonight. We've got to reclaim our ability to live free in this country. And we ought to ask ourselves that question more and more. Are we truly free with wide open borders and half a million apprehensions and $30 trillion in debt and corporations telling us how to live our lives? Are we truly free in this country? I think we ought to ask that question over and over and over and I will yield back to my good friend from Colorado. I thank my friend from Texas, and I appreciate the, the points that he made. I, I now want to recognize my friend from Tennessee, um, Mr. Green. Thank you to my colleague and Mr. Speaker. Before I 
jump into my remarks, I'd like to echo what my colleague from Texas said. The interesting thing about the Major League Baseball decision is only two days before they decided that voter ID was too tough for them, they signed a deal with Tencent in China where there is no elections whatsoever and where they are committing cultural genocide against the Uyghurs that 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 wasn't good enough in Georgia. But they signed a deal for millions of dollars to support what's going on in China. Mr. Speaker, as a physician, I recognize that cancel culture is a sickness in our society. It's easy to diagnose, but uh, we have to admit it's going to be difficult to cure because we're fighting the woke media and we're fighting the woke left. And the left is using cancel culture to tear our country apart in its quest for their version of a utopia. They demonize conservatives as enemy of a nation that we love and hold dear. But no one is safe from cancel culture, not even the liberals themselves. Who has advanced progressivism more than Barack Obama during his eight years as president? No one. Yet leftists today are canceling Barack Obama, who was until recently their self-proclaimed hero. In his home state of Illinois, Thomas Jefferson Middle School was supposed to be renamed the Barack and Michelle Obama Middle School. That is, until the far radical left protested that Obama followed the laws in some instances by deporting illegal immigrants. God forbid that a president tasked in the Constitution to enforce the law actually enforces the law. So please, my colleagues on the left, tell me how my colleagues on the right are, are safe from cancel culture when your side of the aisle isn't even safe. Iconic figures on the left are being canceled. Just the other week, the famed atheist, Richard Dawkins, who many fellow Christians and I find incredibly offensive for his bigoted attacks on our faith, was just canceled. Dawkins was stripped of his Humanist of the Year award that he received back in 1996. On what was he found guilty? He believed that a civil discussion on what constitutes gender was legitimate. Canceled. A professor even canceled lecturing on the writings of James Baldwin, known for his participation in the civil rights and gay liberation movements because his students said it made them, quote, relive intergenerational trauma, end quote. Matthew Iglesias, the founder of the liberal news website Vox News, has been canceled simply because he didn't want to defund the police. Canceled. So again, my colleagues on the left, tell me how cancel culture doesn't exist and tell me that conservatives aren't being attacked. And who are the conservatives getting canceled? Well, the left tried unsuccessfully, as was mentioned earlier, to cancel Goya Foods executive Robert Unanue because he supported Donald Trump. President Abraham Lincoln, who ended the Democrat Party's institution of slavery, is being canceled. Lincoln's general, President Ulysses S. Grant, canceled. Covington Catholic children, yes, I said children, were completely slandered with lies by the left-wing media simply because they happen to be wearing MAGA hats. Senate Democrats tried to cancel Justice Amy Coney Barrett because she actually believes what Catholic faith teaches. Vice President Kamala Harris tried to cancel a lower court appointee just three years ago because he was a member of the Catholic charitable group Knights of Columbus. Apparently, 
They hold the controversial view that we shouldn't terminate the lives of innocent unborn children. Enough is enough. If we want our country to continue to prosper, we need to stop seeing each other as political enemies and candidates for cancellation. We need to remember the motto on the great seal. Above my head as I speak, e pluribus unum, out of many one. We are a nation of many different states and localities and ethnicities and religions and backgrounds and political beliefs. We need to stop focusing on our differences and start seeing each other as Americans once again, regardless of what we believe. Cancel culture is anti-American, and for the sake of our nation, it needs to end now. I urge my Democrat colleagues to join us in this. Your own icons are being canceled. You will be the next victim. You will be assimilated. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I yield. I thank the gentleman for his impassioned remarks and, and great research. Uh, we could all learn a lot from that, and I appreciate it very much. I now recognize the gentleman from Texas, Mr. Cloud. Thank you, and thanks to the gentleman from Colorado for organizing this. This is an essential topic in this essential time that we find ourselves. We have a unique on the understanding that our inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are not a grant from this government but rather a gift from God. Among these inalienable rights enshrined in our First Amendment is the freedom of speech. Indeed, the peace and tranquility of our entire Republic rests on the understanding that the people have a right to have their voice heard. But we have entered into a most troubling time in our nation. For all the talk of unity by this current administration, this government has sought only conformity. In this chamber, we have witnessed the unilateral march of the extreme left legislation designed not to protect our liberties, but rather force the American people to conform to their extreme ideas of government mandated social engineering and the restructuring of an economy from the most successful model in history to one of socialism, which has failed everywhere it's been tried. And then there's big tech. These companies that arose to prominence in an environment that only economic freedom and opportunity provides have now embraced authoritarianism, fostering a world that's worse than the one they hoped to correct. They have selectively canceled conservative voices while allowing leftist members even in this body to repeatedly call for unrest in our streets and violence against dissenting voices. They have allowed their platforms to raise money to bail out violent rioters these true insurrectionists who have called for an end to America, the burning, compelling voices so that sounding alarm right now are, are the immigrants who've come here. I've spoken to many from Cuba, Ecuador, Iran, Venezuela, and they see the signs in a way that many of us do not. And they are fearful, angered, and heartbroken. Venezuela, just a few short years ago, was the economic jewel of South America. Today, it's a wasteland fought, fraught with poverty, conflict, and oppression. A couple in my district came from Iran. They are terrified by what they are now seeing here. One of them liked a post about the killing of Soleimani and found her account temporarily halted on the platform. The irony is too rich. I spoke to a lady from Ecuador. She had come to this country at about 18 years of age with her family under severe persecution. She had fled the country to come here. 
She didn't refer to this as the United States of America. She said, I come to freedom country. We have to do everything we can to protect freedom country. Those were her words. And so we know that while the te terminology and the methods may be new, the cancel culture movement is hardly new to history. Despotic regimes have worked to silence dissent for millennia. What is different about this movement is the broad embrace of the movement by those in positions of power within the United States of America in order to consolidate political power or perhaps preserve their personal status quo all at the sake of the liberties of their fellow citizens. Ronald Reagan reminded us that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to the children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like to live in the United States where men were free. It's time to restore power to the American people. It's time for people across this nation to stand up in boardrooms and classrooms and houses of worship and in this hallowed chamber to stand up with courage to this evil movement. God forbid we be the gender that more perfect union, one that protects and preserves our beloved freedom country. Thank you. I yield back to the gentleman. I thank the gentleman from Texas, and now I recognize the gentleman from Pennsylvania. Rooms and houses of worship and in this hallowed chamber to stand up with courage to this evil movement. God forbid we be the generation that allows this precious and unique experiment in self-government, this imperfect but beautiful republic to sink enveloped by the undertow of the forces of envy, strife, and division. Let us not let that happen. Let us be that generation, like generations before, that work toward that more perfect union, one that protects and preserves our beloved freedom country. Thank you. I yield back to the gentleman. Thank the gentleman from Texas, and now I recognize the gentleman from Pennsylvania. I surely thank my good friend, the gentleman from Colorado, for, for the opportunity to speak and and the importance of this subject. Ladies and gentlemen, in the 30s and 40s, they banned books. They burned books. And that was just what they had at the time, right? They weren't really banning the book. They were banning and burning the idea, the ideas, the differences of opinion. I submit to you that that fascist regime then is doing or did what this cancel culture is doing now doing right now. We already talked about Major League Baseball canceling the All-Star game in Atlanta. Canceling the game in Atlanta and acting like we don't know that there are more restrictive states elsewhere, including the state that it went to. It's absolutely ridiculous. Facebook canceled the Great Barrington Declaration, a declaration of medical professionals and scientists that declared that lockdowns have adverse effects on physical and mental health. And we'd be better served by focusing on the protection of people who face a high risk of mortality should they become infected. How dare they? How dare they not accept the narrative, the dogma, the group think? Who do they think they are? The Google Google fired employee Kevin Cernicky for the crime. What was his crime? He held conservative views. How about the OSU coach, Mike Gundy? What was his crime? Wearing the wrong T-shirt while fishing. That's how absurd this gets, and, and it just keeps on going, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't stop. Of course, President Trump, pre the president of the United States, canceled by big tech, banned from Twitter, likely permanently banned for Facebook, and has already been stated by the same companies, doing business with, helping out.
the communist Chinese government oppress its citizens. The same, the same companies that have the Ayatollah, he can freely, he can freely transmit over their platform. No problem there. And it just keeps on going. I mean, the president, you know, talked about hydroxychloroquine in the early stages of the pandemic as a potential solution treatment. Man, who knows? I mean, it's been around since the 1940s. How dare he? And how dare the doctors that believe in him and believe the same thing? Who do they think they are when the press and the cancer culture says no way? And of course, the worst of it, representative right here in this body, the gentle lady from Missouri, and 54 of her colleagues sought to cancel 140, 140 members of Congress for objecting to the electors in several states due to the election irregularities and con constitutional infractions in these states, including my home state of Pennsylvania. They introduced House Resolution 25, calling for the removal of those members from the House of Representatives. Oh, of course, they didn't bother telling you that they themselves objected to more states in 2016 than the Republicans in 2020. Cancel. Let's cancel them. Free speech has been canceled. If you want to protest and burn your city down, protest is great. Violence and rioting is not accepted except when it is. But think you're going to the church in the same town? Canceled. Right to protest. You can riot, yes, but come to the Capitol and address your grievances with your elected representatives, no. Ladies and gentlemen, cancel culture is a synonym for fascism. And the sooner we recognize it, the better off we're going to be at dealing with it and the sooner we can get to it. With that, I yield back to my good friend from Colorado. I thank the gentleman, and I thank the gentleman for not naming my home state as he was talking about the All-Star Game, so thank you for that. I, uh, I now recognize um, uh, Mr. Tiffany, uh, for five minutes, and I thank him for joining us in this uh, in this special uh, hour. Gentlemen from Colorado, I do not like the cancel mob. I do not like the groupthink blob. We should not censor our own speech. That's not a habit we should teach. This isn't China or Iran. Free speech belongs to every man. This right belongs to women too, to teachers, students. I can't be canceled. There's no way that you can stop me. Fully independent, there's no label who can drop me. Y'all been starting rumors, let me help you some. Yeah. He's a racist, he's a sexist, he's in love with Donald Trump. Y'all can't cancel me, my life is scandal free. There ain't no sponsors taking losses cause the brand is me. My hands are clean, my family and my fans agree. Y'all can't cancel me for facts because you're mad and weak. Go ahead and tell the world I'm ugly and racist. Then they changed. By the 24th of March, 1933, with the passage of the Enabling Act, Hitler had obtained the legal authority to govern by decree. And civil liberties were suspended for four years. Basically, he took over everything which gives a state the power to exercise power. And he used it very ruthlessly. They made it clear that anybody who resisted them was going to have an extra time. That very quickly established their authority. Never underestimate the weapons of the state to dominate a population and control a population. Now unchecked by democratic restraint, Hitler had the power he needed to wage legislative war on the people who had always been his target. People he believed were a threat to his thousand-year Reich. 
Jewish people made up less than 1% of the population. But Hitler was intent on removing any Jewish influence on German society. New laws enabled the dismissal of Jewish professionals from government positions. In September, under the direction of Joseph Goebbels, Jews working in the media and publishing were dismissed. In 1935, the passage of the Nuremberg Laws enshrined persecution in law. Jews and gypsies were no longer citizens of the Reich. Marriage and extramarital relations with Aryans was also forbidden. The laws paved the way for the persecution which total war enabled. It normalized violence and persecution. Violence against Jewish people had been rife throughout the 1930s. But the most well-known incident was Kristallnacht, the night of the broken glass. When on November 9, 1938, over 7,000 Jewish stores were looted, nearly 200 synagogues destroyed, 91 Jews killed, and 30,000 transported to concentration camps. For Jews, that has had a deep impact on their consciousness and their memory, because most Jews realized, experiencing the burning of their synagogues, the destruction of their homes, the terror in straits, it symbolized the end of the German-Jewish relationship, what was also called the German-Jewish symbiosis. And most Jews gave up their hope or their notion that they still had a right to domicile in Germany. So that's why I think the CDC and the Biden administration needs to come out a lot bolder and say, if you are vaccinated, you can do all these things. Here are all these freedoms that you have. Far-left radicals have become increasingly desperate and increasingly dangerous in their quest to transform America into a country you would not recognize, a country in which they control every aspect of American life. Just as socialist and communist movements have done all over the world, they're cracking down on all dissent and demanding absolute conformity. They want total control. If not us, then who? Who's going to stop this if it's not going to be us? That's what you have to think of. I'm confusing some algorithms with the music today. Um, just testing something out. It's not too in your face, is it? But if it's not us, who's going to stop this? The generations that you see on the street feeling entitled to torch things. Who is it going to be? That's going to stop this. JFK even said, if not us, then who? If not us, then who? Hmm? Remember, they banned our president because he was leading the world, not just the people of the United States of America. He was leading the world, and that terrified them more than anything. Because that's power. That is complete and utter power. When you create leaders and not followers, standing together, organizing the revolutionary movement. They'll find out what the storm is. I think they're getting it now. And I've said this many times before, and it means many things. People like me don't exist. And I think it's the outsiders that make the change. The ones that you don't see coming, the dark horses in the background. And that's actually you.
no one can stop what is coming. I warned a year ago about who Fauci was and what he stood for and what he's done. I've warned about everything and now they're starting to talk about it. So the question is, willfully ignorant, just plain ignorant and opportunistic, or who do they work for is the question. So I think money is what we need to talk about. This will help you understand before we get there. I want you guys to listen to an interview that Rudy Giuliani had the other day. This is really eye-opening. FBI agents ending up in the sit room. How did that happen? I sent them. Um, <laughs> um, something we, I probably wouldn't have done or maybe gotten away with in a more organized investigation, a more organized administration. The FBI wanted to send agents into the White House itself to interview a senior official. You would work through the White House counsel and there'd be discussions and approvals and who would be there. And I thought it's early enough. Let's just send a couple guys over. <laughs> He's laughing about using FBI agents to politically frame a great American. But that was five years ago. Is it over? We have a new administration. Is it better? On the contrary. I consider him to be a personal friend. Most Americans consider him to be America's mayor an individual who stood up to five mafia families and took those dons down, a man who cleaned up the streets of New York and then helped the Big Apple get back on its feet after September the 11th. He's a great American, he's a patriot, and he's going to tell us what the deep state is doing now. Met Rudy Giuliani, welcome to the Gorka Reality Check. <laughs> Thank you, Seb. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And I consider you a personal friend and a, a tremendous patriot and real contributor to what we're going through now. We need voices like yours because uh, we're being marched towards socialism and a censorship is being imposed upon us that's totally uh, unprecedented. It truly is, and they target you. I know they're not going to intimidate you. They can't intimidate the man who took down the mafia and took on Al-Qaeda. But will you share with our, our viewers uh, what happened to you just a few weeks ago when the FBI sure. that I used to respect came knocking on your door? What happened to you? Please explain well, you can you to can all imagine. our viewers. For me, this was like uh, I worked with the FBI for 17 years. Uh, at the lowest level and the highest level. I worked uh, with uh, Judge Webster when he was head of the FBI on the Hinckley case. Remember Hinckley? Who yes. uh, shot uh, President President Reagan. I, the FBI was an integral, integral part of all of my mafia prosecutions. Uh, I actually asked for specific agents who were expert, actually, who were expert at being able to put wires in. So I have a very, and just four years ago, I was uh, given an award by the uh, FBI Association as G-Man of the Year. So this has been a very, very warm, close relationship. And all of a sudden, at six o'clock in the morning, uh, two weeks ago, roughly, there's tremendous banging and they come in and they have a warrant and the warrant is to search for certain, uh, elect all electronics for a certain period of time. And I look at it because you have to have some kind of charge and what they say is that I failed to register as a foreign agent 
with regard to some uh, uh, Ukrainian officials. Now, I have two or three years, you know, been plagued with allegations like this. Three times my lawyer asked the U.S. attorney, could we come in and explain to you and show you this is not true? It's completely false. Never represented any of them. In fact, I specifically didn't represent this person. I referred him to somebody else. And I wanted to give him that information. They never, ever took up my offer. Uh, they, unbeknownst to me, uh, back in back in 2019, I mean, 2019 or so, they went and, and, and took my iCloud information for a year and a half without telling me. They're supposed to notify you at some point. And, and, never and who, Matt Giuliani, who are you working for? Who, who, who is your most famous client when they took well, all, when they, when they searched your iCloud? Of course, it was the president of the United States. And in fact, the date, the beginning date that they asked for in the iCloud is a, roughly the beginning date that I began to represent him. In other words, they basically said, we got no interest in you before Donald Trump. But the minute you started representing him, they went and took a year and a half of my confidential material off of uh, the iCloud. It has to be they were searching for stuff that would hurt Donald Trump and also hurt me on some kind of theory that I'm going to help them with bad information about Donald Trump. So let me just tell them this is a waste of time. I don't have any such information. As a lawyer, I can't, I mean, as a lawyer, I can't even talk about it. All I can tell you is, I began representing him because I believed he was an innocent man who was being framed. And I turned out to be right. And, uh, and, and I Mr. also, Mayor, when, out to when, I also you... happened to turn around their case. And when I came in, more people wanted him impeached than not. And four months later, we had flipped it and we had exposed Mueller and his henchmen for exactly what they were. Now that made them very angry because I went after the FBI, Peter Strzok, Jim Comey, who was a former colleague of mine. I hired Comey, but Comey committed perjury and got, has gotten away with it. Now, Nobody's ever searched his house. Now, I've never committed perjury. Mr. Mayor, you, you, Mr. Mayor you, you have fought valiantly for the truth all your career. You represented President Trump superbly, but you have to mention the final detail of what happened when your home oh, and your sure. offices sure. were raided. The warrant, the warrant listed all electronic equipment, but there was some electronic equipment those FBI agents refused to take away from your premises. What were they, Mr. Mayor? Well, first of all, the warrant said all electronic equipment. And during the course of the search, they presented me the electronic equipment that wasn't mine. I actually just got it back. I said, this is not my computer. This is somebody else's. And then they took the, uh, my ex-wife's computer because when we exchanged property, I guess we, we couldn't find this. It was hidden behind something and the FBI found it. It's not my computer, it's hers. So they took it anyway, even though I said, you know, it's not mine. All of a sudden there are these two hard drives and uh, they said, what are, what are those? And I said, well, those are Hunter Biden's hard drives. Remember, I the one who put out the information on Hunter Biden. I said, I, I guess you have to take those too. They said, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want those. Now think about that for a second. Th th that could have been Vladimir Putin on the hard drive. It could have been me making a deal with some crooked Ukrainian like they think I do. They took my word for it. So what the heck did they come and barge into my apartment if they're going to take my word for it? Did, I, mean, I, cannot, I can't fathom why they think I destroy evidence. 
mean, I've been in law enforcement well, Mr. This, I have a very this distinguished is... career in law enforcement. I'm a lawyer. I'm a member of the bar. I'm not going to destroy evidence. I'm not Hillary Clinton. And they, and they would know his, if I destroyed his, it. They have my iCloud. Here's here's the key question, and we'll have to end on this. I know that they can't intimidate you. It is absolutely impossible. So what was the action against you really about Mayor Rudy? Who were they really trying to intimidate? Well, I think they want to, uh, they're always trying to shake up the president. They're not going to intimidate him, but they still think they can do it. That's why they would keep leaking every week that Donald Jr. was going to be indicted. And every week I would tell them they can't possibly indict him. He's doing anything wrong. But that was done to destabilize him, to get him to say something, to do the, They play these mind games. They also, I think, are very worried about what's going on in Arizona. I mean, they've they spent uh, three months, four months blocking it. So if there was nothing wrong in Arizona, three months ago, they would have turned over all the paper ballots, all the machines. Why do you fight this battle to hide them? And uh, and they know that I started that. They know if something goes wrong there, they're going to have to deal with my big mouth. And they're doing the best they're doing the best they can to try to destroy my credibility. I would say that's it. I mean, they'd love to see me. They'd love to see me bankrupt. I mean, they'd also love to see me in jail. But since I didn't commit a crime, I think that's going to be pretty hard, I hope. <laughs> well, as far as I'm concerned, they want to intimidate the 74 million Americans that voted for they're Donald not. Trump. But they're, they're, messing, they're messing with the wrong guy. God bless you. So, great interview. Really important. Just one more segment on Rudy before we get into 9-11, okay? Because we need to talk about 9-11. And you're going to see it's all about the money. Here we go. This is from his latest podcast. We're going back to the stupid things we did in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. We're encouraging people to be on welfare. We're encouraging them not to work. We're not doing anything about homelessness. We're not doing anything about uh, quality of life crimes. When de Blasio came in, he, he, he immediately lost the respect of the police department because of the way he handled uh, the riots in Baltimore and suggested that New York City police department is racist. And the pre president believes that the New York City police department is systemically racist. And the country is. I'm, I'm sorry, a systemically racist police department doesn't have a white police officer, you know, just running to the aid of a child without knowing what the child's race is. The New York City police department saves too many people of too many different backgrounds so that you can ever charge them with racism. And so does the fire department. Now you want to, want to debate that with me, I'm ready to debate it with you. I'll show you the statistics, I'll show you the facts, and I'll show you that your charge of their racist indicates you got a real problem. You're probably a racist. They're not. And I tell you what, when um, this young lady, this young girl, this young baby, four years old, was in trouble, right? Uh, her mother, I'm sure, was very, very glad that a police officer arrived and not somebody from Black Lives Matter or some social worker or some left-wing impractical person that probably would go in the wrong direction to get to the ambulance because they're off in some kind of impractical world. Let's hope that everybody has a full recovery here. I am astounded and extraordinarily disappointed 
and he never ceases to disappoint me. Uh, the mayor's comment. The mayor blamed it on guns. <laughs> Not on Farrakhan Mohammed. I'm sorry. The gun doesn't go off unless you shoot it. You got to shoot it. And, you know, you're not going to do anything about guns, idiot, because there are over 300 million guns in America. Maybe there shouldn't be. And you're sure not doing anything about guns because you did away with the one unit that was the most effective in taking illegal guns out of the city, the anti-crime unit. And if we had the anti-crime unit, I'm not going to say this wouldn't have happened, but it might not have. This is where they were best, Times Square. There's no one that understands law enforcement, doesn't realize they were the unit that took the guns out of the city and that got me a 60% decline in murder, homicide. That's the crime that went up 45% under you after you disbanded the unit that takes guns out of the city. And then you blame it on guns. What? There's a mayoral election going on right now. So listen carefully. Those of you who are in New York, listen carefully to what, what they're saying. Uh, Times Square could be turned right back in the other direction in about a month. Basically, with, uh, uh, I think, even greater speed because the technology is much better than what we, what, what we were using in 1994 with the walkie-talkies. and My goodness, the cameras, the space recognition cameras, the way in which you could set up quadrants which we did in some other cities in South America to reduce crime. I mean, you could you just get those horses back and you, you use the modern electronic equipment and you'll end this thing in, in, in no time. Aha! But if you also change the ridiculous contribution of another progressive Democrat, Andrew Cuomo, which is the no bail law, which means if, you know, one of these people who grabs a purse or bangs a woman around or whatever, they're going to go right back out so they can be back on Times Square, you know, within three, four hours. You got to change that. You got to change that so that if you commit a crime, like you steal a woman's purse or you pickpocket or you hit somebody over the head or you it's treated seriously. And boy, have you turned out to be wrong. When de Blasio came into office, he, he did away with the broken windows theory, which I don't think he ever even understood. He said, yeah, I'm not going to pay attention to these little crimes. The little crimes don't mean anything. Let them, let them you know, jump over the turnstile and not pay the fare. <laughs> Look at the amount of crime on the subways. I bet you every, every one of the people that are committing those crimes don't pay the fares. And if you arrested them, maybe you'd interrupt them. Hmm? And you start to be able to catalog them. You know, half of the people we arrested for fare jumping were wanted for violent crimes. And we prevented a serial murder. Do you ever read these things or learn about these things or, or are they just too unimportant to a progressive? So I want to tell you something about 9-11 and about every single large event that occurs across this biodome, right? You need money in order to execute an operation, maybe $5 million worth of Bitcoin money, maybe a shit ton of short transactions, shorting a stock. <laughs> but when you flip the script and you take control of that market too, you panic. You saw how they panic with game stop, game over.
Did you know that there were a ton of transactions that happened right before 9-11, a lot of shorting of stocks three days prior to 9-11? Did you guys know that? Well, let me tell you about stocks that are being shorted right now. Now, a lot of people may not know this Canadian. Others do. They know him as Mr. Wonderful. But I want you to pay attention to a report from March 2021. I'm sorry, my system is extremely, oh, it's like they don't want me to talk about what's going on. What's going on? What is going on? But let me tell you, do you know via which bank most of these transactions happened at? <laughs> Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank. It was a firm that up until 1998 was being chaired by A.B. Buzzy Krongard, who then became the executive director of the CIA. Did you guys know that too? Funny how Comey was on the board of HSBC too, because we've got a lot coming from the cartels soon. They should fear. Did you know that? Buzzy Krongard, who became the executive director of the CIA, actually chaired Deutsche Bank. Yeah, he did. He chaired Deutsche Bank when these transactions, well, right before. So it was three years before 9-11 that he chaired it. I joined that Deutsche Bank unit in 2001 right after 9-11. That's when I became an intern. Mm. See, it's all coming together. Well, let's see what Mr. Wonderful had to say, because you're going to understand a heck of a lot more, and I'll leave you with some food for thought while I'm gone for two days. For corrections in tech, but the story hasn't changed anywhere. I mean, I added it to my Facebook position because it's the number one digital spend we have because of geo-locked advertising. All of our businesses are shutting down retail, not reopening stores that were marginal, and spending more on Facebook to sell direct to consumer, which means I stay long Shopify. I've increased my position in DocuSign. I have more Adobe, Zoom. These are all the companies that are not stay-at-home stocks. They are work-from-anywhere stocks. And the new America 2.0, which is going to emerge, hopefully by October, when we've got this you know, triple vaccine, vaccine situation going and we start to normalize, I still say budgets for tra business travel are going to be slashed 20 to 50 percent because these technologies now allow us to do things that we never did before with certainty. So I'm shorting the airlines because they're not getting back all the business travelers. Sorry, it ain't going to happen. But the new economy is very efficient. So, you know, it's like saying, well, if you, I can't stand the volatility of Amazon over the last 15 years. All the tech stocks are volatile. They're all. Listen to what he's saying. Listen to what he's saying. He's telling you what they're doing. Listen to what he's saying. See, nobody pays attention to the words. He's telling you everything you need to know. He's saying everyone is centralizing all their advertising into Facebook. It's making everybody money. I'm putting a lot of stock into Zoom and DocuSign and Adobe because everyone's working from home. Nobody's going back to work. And we're expecting that this will solidify with a 2.0 by Red October. So that is their plan. He's also telling you that the airlines, 
They're being shorted like crazy airlines. So you have to think in your mind, what is next for the airlines? Could it be the COVID passport or could it be another 9-11? Because they're shorting airlines. So here is where we're going to shift a little bit. You need to understand what happened during the days before and the years. It was four years before 9-11. When you need to fund an operation, you need to funnel that money carefully. And that's important. So I want you to listen to this. Just listen. This is going to blow your mind. What was your so first product? The good news was that we went from like uh, 60 some odd traders um, and support staff to two. <laughs> because like I say, everybody got a job that wanted one with Citadel and Pete and I just were trading our on our own then okay. for collectively for us, the two of us. And we continued to use this uh, heat seeker algorithm that we developed, which is really, you know, how we follow the smart money. I mean, we knew it worked, Tony, in uh, 2001 before we sold the firm to Citadel. We knew this was working because, um, we'd get run over just as you remember yep. by run over. Of course, I mean that you just have a buyer that is relentless. They're just coming in, coming in, coming in. You don't know. Why. And 10 minutes later, whatever the news is that was driving that buyer is on the tape and it's public. And you're like, Oh my God. And now you're chasing, trying right. to get this stuff back. Yeah. So we knew there were smarter people than us. We knew there were people that had tens of millions of dollars in commissions that they could pay for the best information on the street, because we all know that's how you get that upgrade from Cowan, Goldman, Citigroup, whomever. You get that upgrade. You might even get that the analyst is leaning towards upgrading that stock the day before. I mean, you know, yeah. anybody watching understands that there are folks that get better information and get it faster. And if you can act on tomorrow's news today, you can make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, absent any other catalyst being in the market. Now, sometimes some of these trades are insider. Um, that was the case in 9-11. 9-11, we saw a huge buying of puts in American Airlines, United Airlines, three days before the towers went down. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, we thought, is somebody downgrading the airlines on Monday or Tuesday? Because they're buying short-term, relatively short-term um, puts that are, uh, right at the money. Uh, and something at the money, of course, is going to react instantly to whatever news right. there is. People were selling them. Luckily, we weren't. But we saw this paper. And then, of course, when the towers come down, American and United dropped to $15. And you guys These options that they're paying a dollar or $2 for go to 15 like that. And we don't trade for a week. So these guys are probably trading out of it on stock anywhere around the world that was still open when the U.S. was shut. Hmm. So they knew about it. They shorted the stock to make a shit ton of money three days prior to it. Now, the news didn't talk about it. It went out in the darkness. No matter how much we tried to push it back into the news, it seemed that it was being pinged back to American firms and intelligence agency. Actually, people should take a look at Joe Biden's portfolio at that time. That's what they have to do. What they have to do is look into the Bush's portfolio, the Clinton portfolio. Ah, we can't because that's a Deutsche Bank. 
right? Because they have the records of it at Deutsche Bank, which was raided already, right? Because they found the stuff somewhere else too. But Carlisle Group isn't going to last long because there's records. See, back in the days, there were a lot of people just watching, watching and paying attention for a very long time. So now I want you to listen carefully. Again, the airlines are being shorted. But I think it's very important that people understand, uh, again, what short selling is. So I found this great uh, how-to so you can understand what that means. They know that a stock is going to drop. So they sell the stock now without having it. And then when it gets to the price point that they said, so from $50, it's going to go to $25. They get it, they buy it at 25, kind of like buy it, but they take the profit, if that makes sense. So I thought it would be great to revisit this because this is really important. Very, very important. Citadel just bought their algorithm. You know, we have shorting of stocks. We have Deutsche Bank. We've got former executive director of the CIA that sat on the board just saying. It's just all a coincidence, of course, right? Short selling. Presented by WallStreetSurvivor.com. Short selling is a risky way to profit from declining stock prices. Basically, it is a bet against a stock or company. When you buy a stock, you expect the price to go up. On the other hand, when you short a stock, you expect the price to go down. Shorting a stock is the inverse of buying a stock, which is often referred to as going long. Here's Jack. Jack has heard that Goliath National Bank is in financial trouble and expects their stock price to go down. In order to profit from his prediction, Jack will short GNB. But how does this work? Jack calls his broker and tells him that he wants to short one share of GNB. To do this, the broker needs to find one share to lend to Jack. The broker can look in a few different places, including his stock inventory and his client's portfolios. If he still can't find the stock, he can ask other brokers. Jack's broker finds the share in one of his client's portfolios and borrows it. The broker will then sell the share on the market for Jack. GNB stock was trading at $100, which will be credited to Jack's brokerage account. Jack was right. After a week, GNB's financial struggles are made public and the stock price drops to $70. Because the stock price dropped and Jack made a bet against the stock, Jack stands to make a profit by buying back or covering GNB. Jack calls his broker and tells him to cover his position in GMB. The broker uses the money from Jack's brokerage account to buy one share of the stock from the market at the current price of $70 and returns the stock to his client's portfolio. Jack sold GMB stock for $100 and bought it back for $70. Awesome. Jack made a profit of $30. Jack also has to pay a small fee to the broker for the right to borrow the stock. Short selling is for advanced traders because it can be extremely risky. Unlike buying a stock or going long, where your losses are limited, your losses are unlimited when you short. To explain how your losses are unlimited, consider this graph of price versus profit. Let's say you buy a stock for $100. The most you can possibly lose is the amount that you paid for it, in this case $100. As the stock price goes up, your profits will continue to go up as well. Theoretically, there is no limit to how high the price can go. Now consider that you have shorted the same stock at $100. In this case, you profit when the price decreases.
the most you could stand to make is the price that you shorted at, in this case, $100. However, as the price goes up, your losses go up. And since there is no limit to how high the stock price can go up, theoretically, there is no limit to how much you can lose. While shorting is an effective way to make money when stock prices go down, make use of stop orders to minimize your risk. To practice short selling risk-free, sign up at Wall Street Survivor. All right, so I'm showing you how they funded 9-11. I'm showing you how they covered up the funding for 9-11. And I'm showing you who was sitting on what boards when shit went down during 9-11. I know a lot of people are posting things in the chat like, oh, the building was controlled. We already know that. I talked about it in March. There was a university report that said the Building 7 was controlled demolition. We already know that. That's actually in the government records. And I also told you last year, it was so funny that all of this, you know, control of virus came on with Fauci out of, you know, that's responsible for thousands of debts, racist debts. You should go revisit that episode, right? Before you listen to whatever other people are telling you about his AIDS research and sending you down rabbit holes. I gave you the facts over a year ago. So focusing on this, what happened in April, all of the judges that were supposed to be at the trial for 9-11 resigned. And they were supposed to be picking a jury in 2021. I told you that. I told you that. Now, I just reported the facts. I'm trying to keep you focused. Because to have this organized revolutionary movement, you must stay focused. You must stay focused on the things that are important now. That was important then. Nobody wanted to talk about it because they knew better, okay? They knew better. And for the controlled demolition, all you have to do is look at the University of Alaska that put out the report. They submitted the findings on March 25th, 2020, okay? I already told you that. So I don't know why people are still like, yeah, it was controlled. No shit it was. We already paid for the study. We already know that. Anyone telling you different and still making it a conspiracy theory has no idea what they're talking about. So let's move it along. Okay. So, um, so shorting of the stocks was how they made their money. Okay. This is how they made their money. Now let me tell you how you can find epic short squeeze stocks. Here's another entertaining yet very explanatory walkthrough. How to find epic short squeeze stocks. If you're interested in learning stock trading strategies that actually work, that actually profit in the current market, or you just want to see what I'm trading or investing in, be sure to hit that subscribe button. So someone recently sent me this video from the uh, financial education uh, YouTube channel, and they asked for my, uh, my opinion on it. In this video, Jeremy talks about sh uh, short, uh, a short squeeze that he thinks is coming in JWN, which is Nordstrom's. And I think he got some things right in this, but there are some other things wrong and understanding it can really help you make a lot more money and find stocks that are stock. And this is normally expressed as an annual percentage. So if, for example, the stock has an annual borrow rate, is it sometimes called a 50%, this is the cost to borrow, you'll need the stock to fall at least 50% over the coming 12 months just to break even. This is one of the difficult things about shorting stocks. Now, once you borrow those shares, you just sell them in the open market. You do a sell, uh, a sell short open, uh, a sell short order with your broker. And then after the stock has fallen, hopefully after the stock has fallen, you buy back those shares 
and you return them to your broker. And so the goal is obviously to sell those shares that are at a higher price than the price at which you buy them back. Now we just need to review some really quick terminology. Total shares outstanding is basically just how many shares are, avail are available in a company. It's basically, if you think about ownership of the company as a pie, it's how many slices of pie there is. When you take the total shares outstanding and multiply by the stock market price, by the, the price of the stock, you end up with the market cap or the, mar the market capitalization of the stock. Now the float is slightly different. The float, it's what it sounds like. It's how many shares are floating out there, how many shares are available to freely trade and not locked up. For example, right after an IPO, uh, insiders will usually be usually be locked up for about six months, and so those shares will not be available to trade. Often in privately held companies uh, that have been that have a, a single family founder, like the Nordstroms, for example, there is there is um, there's some family shares that are not freely available to trade, and so you have the the total shares that are available to trade, and then the float. The short interest is just how many shares have been sold short by short sellers. And then you can measure short interest, short interest, excuse me, as a percentage of the float. I normally look at it as, as a percentage of the float. You can also look at it as a percentage of shares outstanding, but it makes the most sense to look at it as a percentage of the float because anyone who, how many shares are sold short, you can go to Yahoo Finance and you can click right here on statistics. You can scroll down and this gives you all the data that you need. So we were talking about shares outstanding currently 157.1 million. The float is about uh, approximately two thirds of that. Again, this I assume these are privately, these are shares that are held by the uh, by the Nordstrom family. And uh, yeah, it does say percentage held by insiders. That's probably the, uh, the percentage we're talking about. And then we have the number of shares that have been sold short by short sellers. These are people betting on the stock going down. And these numbers are usually released, I believe every two weeks. So there is a lag here. This is as of September 30th, 2020. Um, and then the final thing we would look at are the, the short interest as a percentage of the float. So 38%, basically you get this by saying, by taking 47.52 million divided by the float. That looks about right. Uh, short interest as a percentage of the float, 38%. This is in, indeed quite high, as Jeremy rightly points out. Short interest as a percentage of shares outstanding is less important simply because not all of these shares outstanding can trade. As we said, only the float can trade, but it's still quite high. If any of these are over 10 or 20%, that's definitely a stock with very high short interest. We can look, we can go to market beat and we can see sort of how this has changed over time. So we can see here the percentage of the float that is sold short. These are the percentage numbers we can see that's been ticking up over time. It was in the uh, sort of low 30s in April of this year, and now it's moved up to the uh, to 43%. So the short interest has been increasing as the stock has been uh, has been mostly falling. So this is these are all good things. These are things that Jeremy gets right. Standing 18.37 million float. Time up here. Click on statistics and scroll down and just make sure do a reality check on the short interest. Etc. So shares outstanding, 18.37 million. Float, tiny, tiny float, only 5.65 million. And the number of shares that have been sold short is actually larger than the float. This is this is uh, made possible by the fact 
you can actually have more shares sold short than actually exist in the float or even in the shares outstanding simply because when you short a stock it's sort of a synthetic transaction where you borrow the shares you sell them they go back out in the market someone else uh, could borrow them again and short sell them now if we look at the short as a percentage of the float this is a very high short as a percentage of the float again over 100 percent 141 percent as a per percentage of shares outstanding is still also very high we care less about this because we can see that most of these shares are locked up uh, approximately call it uh, 70 65 70 percent of the shares are locked up so this is definitely a good short so candidate. hopefully now you guys um, look at I will uh, share I this borrow. video I will share here. this video so that way you guys can see it because then you can check yourself to see what's being shorted then you'll understand what industry is under attack so what you noticed was that Dillard's and Nordstrom, which he's showing, which are all retailers, kind of like Macy's going bust, right? Nordstrom, uh, there's Dillard's, there's Bloomingdale's, there's Saks Fifth Avenue. I'm just showing you what they've been doing. This is how they make money. They make money on this. But you know, something happened and there was a short squeeze and you can see their panic because the people started to use their game plan to make money, which makes them wonder, what were the game stoppers raising money for? Or did they just get the information? Hey, everyone's shorting that. Drive the stock up, baby. Drive it up and make them poor. Drive it up because the game stops. That's pretty much what happened. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to hate and put in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Cramer. Will our botched vaccine rollout end up shutting down the economy? Will the crazy action and short squeezes like GameStop cause the stock market to collapse under its own weight? Does it even make sense to fret about this stuff with a slew of major earnings reports on the way starting tomorrow? After a day where the market was torn in two different directions, Dow declining 37 points, S&P advancing 0.36%, and then Nasdaq gaining 0.69%, we need to talk about what I think of as the vaccination GameStop dichotomy. This weekend, we were treated to story after story about how President Biden's pledge to jab 100 million people in 100 days could be impossible to carry out. Even if we work out the logistics problems, there may not be enough vaccines to go around. Meanwhile, we keep hearing about these new COVID strains that could potentially beat the vaccine, making the whole exercise pointless. We already know the economy is weakening. While new infections have begun to pull back from their highs, although we're still seeing many days with well over 200,000 cases, the psychological impact is causing people to stay home, resulting in kind of a voluntary shutdown. But it's not like the economy's in ruins. For the 93% of the workforce that's still gainfully employed, they've got nothing to spend their paychecks on. So they either invest or pay down debt. The service economy may be in horrible shape, but unless you work in travel, leisure, dining, or sports, especially if your company is private and small, you may be doing just fine. Meanwhile, ultra-low interest rates make it easy to buy a new house or a car, something Americans are doing in droves as they leave the cities for the suburbs or even the country. I talk to the home builders, and they say this may be the best housing market they've ever seen because people are desperate for homes with workspace and school space where they can be safe from COVID. You can't put a price on safety, people. And that's why home builders are selling lots so quickly. That's why they keep blowing numbers away. The wholesale exodus from cities has fueled a gigantic number of upside surprises. The new hybrid remote work style has been an enormous boon to the service industry and to retail. Oh, and if you're worried about going out, 
there's always the stay-at-home enablers. Here's some uh, logical ones, Amazon, Netflix, Take-Two, uh, Domino's. There's other ones just like it. Sure, you have to be worried about the slowness of the vaccine rollout and the undisciplined way people wear masks, the lack of testing infrastructure. But I don't think we're headed for another lockdown. Frankly, the state simply can't afford it. And that's why the governor of California just lifted a stay-at-home order, even though the outbreak's still pretty bad out there. We know how to do this, though. You can leave most of the economy open as long as you keep the elderly and the at-risk at home. So if you're selling stock here because you believe the economy's cracking, I think you're making a mistake. The Federal Reserve is keeping interest rates low. We hear from Chairman Powell on Wednesday, and I have no doubt he'll stick to his guns when it comes to easy money. Meanwhile, most consumers have lots of spending money that they'll be able and, and eager to use once we're vaccinated and the world goes back to normal, please. But how about the second break? That the stock market will be brought down by the wild actions in stocks like GameStop. That's that retailer place game. You go in and you buy video games and the, the, you know, you buy the hardware. Uh, this GameStop is really something we must talk about because it's been bid up uh, higher and higher by enthusiastic traders. Now, there's a forum I've mentioned before. Wall Street Bets. It's on Reddit. Now, a lot of younger people read Reddit. I read Reddit because younger people read it. That's why. Now, they've got a community of very rabid investors who will choose individual stocks and then run them up as a group with commentary about how much they love them. Now, they don't target just any stocks. They go after the ones that are heavily shorted in order to come up with a short squeeze. They'll come up with a thesis all in display and then run them and run them until the shorts have to cover their positions, spurring still one more leg higher. Now, I know what it's like to get caught on the wrong side of a short squeeze. The only thing a short seller can really do when targeted is to throw in the towel. No point in trying to fight it. You just have to cover your short, meaning buy back the stock to close that position before, before you run out of money. You can see this battle, how it played out in GameStop today. Look at this, okay? And that was just today. See that spike? Yes. The shorts believe the company's worthless, but the longs think it's going to the moon. Long term, I think the bear case is right. GameStop is a brick-and-mortar video game retailer at a time when people increasingly download their games off the Internet. But I don't believe that short term. Short term, they have the new Xbox, they have new PlayStation, they just came out with this. See, obviously he has no idea what he's talking about. He's such an idiot. But he's trying to say that these people created a narrative of how awesome it is. Well, it's funny how we chose movie theaters and games stopping. So this is where the biggest funds held by people in Congress and by healthcare were. They had shorted the crap out of these stocks, AMC and GameStop, but they were just coincidental. So I want you to listen. This is from January where it just started and they were kind of talking, you know, a little bit smacky, right? Smacky. And, oh, this is just a bunch of losers and it's time where we're all home and this is so stupid, but we've got Xbox and PlayStation, which by the way, we still can't buy because they're not available anywhere, right? But, and we can't even get one in store that'll last more than a split second. Usually they're all reserved and shipped to the store, right? Or to your house. They come on, listen to what he's saying though. Listen to how he's calling the people that are putting a squeeze on pharma and healthcare institutions and Congress's big fat portfolio. Those things are flying off the shelves. They've got a new big investor who's very smart. Uh, it's easy for the longs to come in and gun GameStop higher and make good money. If it, it, it hasn't been made already, though, when the stock spiked to 159 today before closing at 76. The Wall Street best crowd can easily find stocks with big short positions. They're, you can look them up. 
It's not a problem. GameStop was uh, ludicrously shorted. More than 148% of the stock had been sold short, which is nuts. For years, betting against this thing has been like shooting fish in a barrel. They forgot what can happen when the longs gang up on you. And gang up is a technical term. I'm not saying they're working in concert. I'm not saying they're doing anything illegal. I'm saying that they are in force. We saw the same. I'm not saying that they're doing anything illegal. I'm not saying that they're ganging up together. They're the long gang. And, you know, we're seeing this in the crypto market, too. And if you remember, I talked about that. And it's the great time to enter now that the IRS is all over it. And you can do whatever the fuck you want. You can buy a stock for super duper 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 pennies. And then it just shoots up to one one hundredth of a penny. And there you go. Your five bucks, your $500 or half a million, your $50 or 50,000 and it's boom, bum, done. And then you have this thing where people are, you know, talking about, you know, big influencers talking about coins. If you notice, we had the Bitcoin influencers, but I told a lot of, uh, let's put it this way. There's Bitcoin and that's it. Bitcoin is, it's just Bitcoin, period. It's a, the first type of cryptocurrency was created to trade shit on the back end. And it's just boom, right? Solid. Just a Bitcoin. That's it. There's nothing else. Whereas you have alternative currencies like um, the Binance. Um, you have uh, Ethereum, which is, which is a currency. But then there's like a shit ton of other currencies that are tagging up behind it and under it. Uh, that means it has a longer lifespan than just Bitcoin. So if any of you have Bitcoin, you know, you should be paying attention to what they offer. Remember when I said, hey, you know, months ago, I bought myself some Stellar Lumens, right? That Ukrainian thing. Um, I didn't buy too much because it was already a couple of dollars. But every week when I had a little bit extra, I would uh, purchase some and just have it there. Why? Because Stellar Lumens has gotten the contract to trade for PayPal. PayPal is now taking cryptocurrency. PayPal wants to exchange their money through a crypto network rather than the banking system in order to exchange money. So if you send someone PayPal money, it's going to go through the crypto market and then back to the person. So that way they can make some money during the transit of your money. So Ethereum is the new coin that has a million other coins attached to it. And that was shown through different changes that have been happening. Now, Ripple has been under scrutiny. XRP has been under scrutiny. But don't forget, most of that was being traded on the Binance Chinese platforms. Ergo, um, some money going. And it's kind of funny because Bitcoin didn't have this kind of reaction. And the fact that Elon Musk dumped it, and it's more likely because that was used to pay off the hackers for the colonial pipeline, which means that it's helping a currency that a lot of these corrupt clowns have and they push. So when you're looking for market movements, you can pay attention to what is coming in and what they represent. A lot of people don't know crypto. I don't know a lot of crypto, but I can, a lot on crypto, but what I can tell you is, it's the same thing as regular companies. These currencies actually are utilized um, uh, to fund certain things. Uh, so like I said, Stellar Lumens is Ukrainian and they've gotten the deal for um, PayPal. Uh, there's uh, places where you can swap coins and tokens that are created by anyone uh, that are you know, piggybacking off of Ethereum and 
you know, they're, they're swapping sites. Those sites are useful, right? Because everyone's going to be using the swapping site. It's kind of like investing in that. So, um, I'm not trying to give you investment advice, but what I'm trying to show you is when you see big money movements, both in the, uh, uh, traditional market and the crypto market, it tells you a lot of what's going on. You know, they had this COVID relief fund in India. They got a billion dollars in alternative crypto that tanked an alternative token, which just made it more valid. But what happened was, is that why a billion dollars in crypto, right? Um, why in crypto? How does it come off in crypto? Um, why in crypto? Why was ransom paid in crypto? Why was this paid in crypto? This is what you have to ask yourself. Why are there payoffs or donations in crypto? Now, I'm all for that. I even reached out to a couple of people that are doing the audits in different states. And I'm like, hey, for the for-profit company you're paying that's executing this, they should open up crypto. A lot of people would be more um, willing to uh, give money to that, uh, to that company to fund their costs because it's very difficult to trace, very difficult to identify. And because it can't be traced, people are, are going to be able to give you a shit ton more money because the media comes after that. They don't want to be the firefighter who donated $10 to the Kenosha kids case and then get harassed at his door for $10 donation to a young boy that was defending himself. So, um, that is, that is really important. So money, money tells you where everything is going. And as you saw in this, they were really, really upset were very specific stocks that were chosen to be driven up and cause harm to these big fat cats that were sweating, like profusely sweating, <laughs> profusely sweating. But this is what happened during the days preceding and during 9-11. Here's a short clip. Again, Kramer, from inside the New York Stock Exchange, 9-11. It's so chaotic uh, to begin with. Um with the, the first plane and then the second plane, the buildings coming down, the Pentagon the plane in, in Pennsylvania, the rumors circulating at the time that there were other planes in the air. Uh, you didn't really know uh, what to believe and what not to believe. Um, so uh, it was hard in that sense, but you, you had to quickly focus on, on family, friends, and then what does it take to get this place back up and running? Like I said before, this place itself was fine, uh, but we really need to be concerned with uh, with our member firms and, and their ability to get here uh, and staff their own desks. And so the process for making a decision like that uh, rests with coordination with the city, the state, and in that case of 9-11 uh, uh, with the federal government as well. Our, uh, our executives, uh, the SEC, other exchanges, and most importantly, our customers which really uh, drove uh, the decision back uh, in 2001. So you coordinated with the other exchanges, NASDAQ and, and the others? Yes, we, uh, you try to have a coordination uh, and things like that because you don't want one market open, the other not open. Uh, to the extent that you can coordinate, it makes a lot of sense to do that. Uh, in 9-11, the big issue uh, there was not this building it's, itself. Uh, physically, this building was intact. The systems were uh, in place. Uh, the people were uh, safe because they were inside and made the decision not to evacuate. And you never know whether that's the right decision or not. That day it turned out to be the right decision. But our customers uh, 
uh, over 40% of the order flow that normally comes to this place uh, couldn't get here on that day. And um, with a, a market that would only have, you know, 60% uh, of the liquidity, uh, we felt that it wasn't the right thing to do uh, to open the market. We set a timetable uh, for our member firms to work with their uh, uh, telco providers to have connectivity back. So if you might recall, 90 West Street was badly damaged that day. And uh, the telco companies worked phenomenal, uh, uh, phenomenally to get everything back and restored. We had weekend, a weekend test before we opened on the 17th. And myself and others were here making sure that uh, those tests were successful. And then uh, we rang the bell that, that Monday on the 17th. Uh, and I stood right there when, when we rang that bell. I live in an area uh, that is heavily populated by firemen and policemen. Uh, live in the Rockaways. Uh, they, uh, they gave up their lives uh, to help other people. Some of them survived, some didn't survive. Uh, we had people here who are heroic as well. We had a security guard, uh, Ali uh, Howard, who was at the World Trade Center, uh, first uh, bombing in 1991. As soon as the plane hit, he knew enough to get everybody out of that uh, center and, uh, in my mind, saved the lives of all of those people. Our, uh, our nurse, uh, Roz Hochstein, was on this trading floor ministering to uh, people who were highly stressed out that day. In my mind, she was a hero as well. Those are the things that stand out for me. So for him, what stood out was that he had to coordinate with everyone to stop the markets, right? But what happened was is prior to the markets being shut down and coordinated so, right, was um, the airlines being shorted. And now we're seeing airlines being shorted again. Now this could be just a repercussion with uh, Ron Klain and his company, Clear, which is another stupid thing. Everyone's like, Fauci and Ron Klain had a situation. No shit, because Ron Klain owns Clear. Like how many times do we have to say it? But nobody wants to report it. They're going to report it in a few months when they're told to talk about it. That's the problem. We need to just let it all out and put it all out and just put it all into perspective. You know, we have journalists going to ask questions. Hey, who's the big guy? Is it, you know, Joe Biden? No shit. I already have the email that says it's Joe Biden. Why are you knocking on his door? This is it. Using faces for clicks rather than doing the actual work. It is so sad. So sad. But again, the, the difference between the two markets, the tangible market, the old school market, and the crypto market, is that in the old school market, what we see is the, the DAX, the, the, the New York Stock Exchange, uh, Nippon, you know, all of these big markets, what we see is that they're controlled by institutions that have been there for hundreds of years, right? But... The crypto market is owned by you, which makes it extremely volatile. You all may decide to create your own freaking coin, right? And pump it up and pump it up and say, you know what? Hey, we're all making this coin and we're trading it and we're going to do this and we're going to cap it and we're going to make a shit ton of money. And that's our currency from we're dictating our currency. This is why the IMF is taking Bitcoin. And again, like I said, Bitcoin is not the future because it's just Bitcoin. There's nothing that can piggyback on Bitcoin. It's not, a, they, they don't do tokens. They have rat Bitcoin and this Bitcoin, but it's still freaking Bitcoin. So it's all about you having control over the money, which means that they don't have com, uh, control over the money. And the more it's just to the people, the more 
it is out of their control and they're losing control and they realize it. Now, speaking of shorted stocks, so that way you can see where we are, right? That way we can see where we are. It is important to um, see how, uh, what stocks are now being shorted. I want you to pay attention to how these stocks are being shorted. And again, I'm going to mention this. I've already said this. I've never practiced as a broker, right? But I did get my series seven, 63, 24, three and six in the year 2000 prior to nine 11. I got those. So technically I got all my licenses, which I'll probably have to reapply anyway. So I know finance. I was sent there to learn finance. And I went to a chop shop rather than where all the other trainees went, which was Salmon Brothers, Lehman Brothers. They all went to those high classy places. I went to Billy Walters, Wharton graduate, Shark. And that's how I got to meet Soros. That's what I'm talking about. So I'm just trying to show you what the money tells you. Following the money isn't just following the paper trail of where it goes, right? It isn't. It's to tell you what's coming because like I said, why would they pay so much money for like a palace in Malibu if it's going to get destroyed? Why would Elon Musk invent in invest in underground, you know, tunnel, uh, you know, roadways if they're going to have an earthquake and detach? Why would everybody be investing in coastal properties if they're going to sink from global climate changes? Are they dumb? Are they stupid? This is what you need to look at. Where are the big companies moving? Why did Elon Musk move to Texas? You have to ask yourself that question. Well, because the cities in the country. And you're going to see that happen. You have to pay attention to where companies have moved. You think Kentucky is okay? Well, what kind of company moved into Kentucky? Two of them. Two big companies moved in there in the past six years. Following the money doesn't just mean following their paper trail and their bank transactions. But what you need to follow is the trends in the market. So let's look at this more recent video where it's telling you which stocks are being shorted. Luminar Technologies, uh, we've got 65% um, shorted. Chem Pharmaceutical, 61% shortage. Timber Pharmaceuticals, 58% shortage. Second Sight Medical Products, 49% shorted. I thought that pharma was making a shit ton of money. What's happening? Are they trying to sequester and make them smaller? These are the questions you should ask yourself. Who's in control of the contracts and who's getting what? This is how you see who and what are moving what and in what direction they want to take it to. Folks, in today's video, I'm going to talk about stocks that are most likely to be short squeezed over the next few months. Now, what we're looking at is market watch and what this is, and this gets updated on the 15th and um, usually on the 15th of every month. But what it is, is this um, large funds, hedge funds, institutions, they have to file what is called the 13F form and a 13F form tells exactly what how many positions they have long, how many positions they have short. So this is the latest institutional sheet based on the highest percentage of short interest. And it's very, very simple. We look at the float, which is public information. And then we look at the 13 Fs. We calculate the number of short positions and we look at the ratio. And as you can see here, 13 million, 8 million short, you got about a 65% short. So I'm going to focus on the top five stocks with the highest short open interest. 
uh, 65%, 61%, 58%, 49%, and 43%. If any of these stocks start becoming accumulated or start getting accumulated, you're going to see a huge, huge, huge uh, covering of shorts, which is what we call a short squeeze. When you're having a panic, uh, panic in the way the shorts are being covered because the price is being squeezed and is moving up. All the shorts want to cover their shorts. What do they do? They buy their stocks to cover the shorts. And by buying the stocks, they cause a rally. So what we're going to see is which of these stocks is primed for a rally. And we can do that based on the technical price action. So I'll just go through these five stocks. The stock is Luminar. Now, this stock is hitting or is close to hitting. It's between the twilight zone, which is the area between the 50-day moving average and the 200-day moving average. And typically, uh, the shorts will allow to continue till we get back to the baseline. And we're not in the baseline yet. I would expect price to come a little lower, uh, maybe about the $15, $10 level. Till we see that, I don't think the stock is going to be squeezed. And also, if you look at this stock on... So the question is, what you have to look at is see what kind of institution bought a ton of it, right? And then which sister institution started to short. See, they talk about doing ganging up and doing something illegal. Stop. Stop. This is coming from the biggest crooks ever because they teach you this stuff. It's crooked as shit. But the thing is, this is what they do. They put it down and then the other pharma company comes in and they're like, yo, you're a little bit broke. You know, so uh, let me buy. You. And then you see these giants like AT&T. Let me buy. You. Let me buy. You. Let me buy. You. you just got to pay attention to the money. Pay attention to the money. Pay attention to who has it in their portfolio. I mean, all of you, you're in your state. Look up who your senator is and your congressperson. I want you to go onto the SEC filing. There's a page called Legistorm. You can sign up for free and you can see all their financial filings. Therefore, you can see all the stock they get and they even mention when it's gifted to them. Mm. When it's gifted to them. So, you know, I talked about uh, DirecTV merging with AT&T and how they took over HBO. I told you about that. Uh, back in 2017, I even wrote an article about it in 2018 when a stupid judge said, well, I don't think that they're going to monopolize. And Dish Network was like, what are you talking about? This is going to be like detrimental. They're going to raise the price. No, they're not. Yes, they did. So it was no longer offered on Dish Network. You see, this is how they work. And you have to wonder where the, where is this judge? Where is this judge? Just saying, where is this judge? What is the foundation of socialism, guys? I've mentioned this before. And if you want to define socialism, it's in one word, monopolies. Pay attention. Monopolies. Money. So when you want to see what the next big event is, all you have to take a look at is what they're dumping to cover. And if you want to see who's moving all that money, all you have to see is, which stock is suddenly abnormally going up and then in the interim in about something like three to six weeks, it's suddenly being shorted like crazy, right? So this is how you can see what the next event is, how and who is making money off of it and what the future is. Now, 
when we get into the crypto, what did we see last week? We saw a shit ton of stuff happen. We saw Bitcoin drop over $10,000 after they used Bitcoin to pay these alleged hackers, which even Kapersky said, oh, looks like it's something that the CIA would do. No shit, Owen. So it's like, this is how they get money for their next big event. And who cares? Bitcoin is their domain. They've centralized it. It has nothing else but Bitcoin. The value that coin has is the value that you give it, right? And it's not really backed by people. It's backed by influencers. Whereas all the other coins are backed by people, right? So we saw a huge debacle happen in the fiat, right? Both of them are fiat currencies, but in the fiat market of the e-currency system where it's completely decentralized, people can swap their money around. Nobody can do anything. Obviously you can track stuff through Etherscan, but what you saw was, is that there is a lot, you know, happening because the people are the ones that are in control of that economy and they don't want that. IRS came down on Binance because of the China link, Okay, China link, which is coming from other cases they're looking at or else they wouldn't have had any in. And now we have the hack that happened, the, the alleged hack, right, Owen? Alleged hack, right? Biden needed some money pumped. Wait a minute. I think, wait, let me stop. I think that um, uh, Joe Biden actually pumped money back into um, Hudson West, didn't he? Oh, that's a story for next week. I oh, know. But now we have... Bitcoin on the chopping block. People are jumping ship. Of course they are. It's got nothing to offer except for whatever value it's been given. And it's been widely traded for almost two decades. It's gone. It's finished. It has nothing else to piggyback. There are no Bitcoin tokens that you can add, right? It's not versatile. And then we had Ethereum come in with a huge ramp up. And then their CEO was dumping these token stocks like crazy, bringing up, you know, stocks going skyrocket and then dropping completely, making them legit. They just legitimized your created coins. All of this happened at the same time. The people are rallying on the digital side to take away their power for money. And then the thing is they have to acknowledge it as money because they're moving the money. <laughs> and then the IMF is like, well, we're going to take Bitcoin. And it's like, yeah, because the treasury is the IMF. Powell is the IMF. Obviously, he bows down to that bird lady. So, you know, they're terrified of people buying silver. And I know a lot of people in the right have been pushing silver coins, rightfully so. I mean, I wish I had that ability to just purchase a shit ton of silver too, because uh, there isn't a lot of liquidity. And if you take that liquidity, they're screwed. It's not, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> the Federal Reserve is debt on arrival. Fake gold and all, you know, all this stuff. Where to go? I don't know. Who are they that need that gold? But, you know, if the silver comes in, when that squeeze comes in, because people are buying physical gold, it's done. It's, the, the, it's like game over. Everything's going to be in the control of people. This is why they tried with the CARE Act to introduce that digital currency that Nancy Pelosi was pushing, that people should get, what was it called? E-credits. You're not even uh, eligible for real dollars. We're going to give you E-credits that, you know, can accidentally be deleted. I mean, no big deal, right? Oops, sorry, got deleted.
So these are all things that are happening right now because money is their problem. They are freaking out over money. That's the problem that they have right now is money. They don't know how they're going to function because their money is up in the air. People have taken control of money. What? How dare they? How dare you peasants cause us billions of dollars in debt because you decided to long and hold game stop. Well, the game has to stop at some point and it's about time we do it now. And so while they're scurrying around, hence why they have to have all these hacks, watch more come, right? You're going to see that um, it's coming in and they are in so much trouble. The other thing is that you have to understand is that the cryptocurrency market, because it's so decentralized that you can fall into like these gang holes, you know, where it's like, oh, I know best, listen to me, you do this. And they're just doing their own interests. Remember, everybody gets paid to product place. And if it's your coin, you're going to sell the shit out of it, right? You're going to be like, yep, it's the best. You need to do this. You need to do that, right? So people need to be very careful of falling into like pockets. They need to treat it like the traditional market, but with a more, um, I guess, 2020 approach. And, um, you know, it's, it's important to ensure that you take it with caution, uh, be careful, you know, as long as you have money in the market and you never pull it out in your account, you don't even have to tell the IRS cause they don't even consider it money. It, this is why they're just nicely casually asking this year. Do you have any cryptocurrencies that you've bought and sold? Well, if you bought it, it's none of your business. Cause I can spend my money as I want. So I don't have to tell you, but if I sold it and I withdrew it into my bank account, that's a problem. And the problem that they're facing now is shit. People are spending this currency buying stuff and they don't have to tell the IRS we are losing money. And then they're moving it over to the all 50 different platforms, money laundering their cryptocurrency into some, you know, green dot card and they can spend it and they don't have to declare it. This is a problem for them. They don't want that. So you have to be careful of what we saw with, you know, people coming out, you know, that were smoothie makers and doing stuff. And then, you know, different platforms, even the queue where tribalism kicked in. There was no discernment, no anything. Tribalism kicked in and they jump on the person that was telling them the stuff they wanted to hear. So um, that's really important. When you want to know what's coming, all you have to pay attention is to the little details, right? Um, the little details, small little details. And what's incredible is, is that you saw that a guy like Elon Musk, you know, talked about a meme coin, a coin that was to mock other coins. And now these meme coins, you know, they range from anything to penguins, to doggies, to gorillas, to anything are making people a shit ton of money and they can't stand that. So, um, it's, uh, really important that, you know, you stay away from the tribalism, focus on what resonates with you because the minute you guys start taking up the silver. And I know a lot of patriots and patriots sell gold and silver. Silver is really going to hurt them. Silver is, is really going to hurt them. Um, because there's a lack of liquidity on, in other, um, in other nations. So, uh, I just wanted to kind of 
mention this so you understand how money tells you what's happening. You know, when you hear, well, I'm not going to buy a house in Malibu because it's going to be underwater. You know, they're sitting there, climate change. Oh, the water's going to rise. Then why the fuck did you buy a $7 billion mansion when you're like, you know, below sea level? Yeah, don't look at what I do. Just listen to what I say, right? This is what they do. You have to be paying attention to what they're doing. And I saw that some of you saw the niobium thing, how the new IBM quantum needs niobium. We did the niobium episode. We saw everything there was needed to see during that episode. It's pretty badass, right? So, um, uh, you know, you can see who's doing what and who's responsible for what. I mean, you have to see how much federal tax dollars Hunter Biden's company got. But, you know, the media is going to go knock on doors and ask him if it's Big Joe because they don't know how to freaking look at things or they don't want to re report things that they should be reporting. I mean, that's true. Now, um, housekeeping, because I got to go. Tomorrow, I will not have a show. Um, and Wednesday, I will not have a show. But I will be back Thursday and I will have a guest and we'll have a full-blown update on Arizona. Arizona's leading the way. Wisconsin's coming. Michigan's coming. I know we've got a New Hampshire too. And um, uh, I will be back on that day. I'm going to see if I can. I don't I don't think I can stream. I'm, I'm not even going to attempt. But if I can, I mean, you'll know. Um, because I'm going to be moving around a lot. I have a lot to do. So um, Thursday I'll be back. I'll have a guest. It'll be super awesome. Um, and you know, I only have guests that I consider, uh, it's going to be great to have some parlay. I may do a stereo with Patrick Berge. Um, I wanted to do one yesterday, but I've been so preparing for what I'm, I have, like, you guys have no idea. I have to be in like 50 million places in the next 48 hours and it's driving me insane. And then there's travel on Thursday. So it's like, whatever. Um, so I will be, be back from another state. I'll be somewhere else on Thursday and I will be broadcasting from there. Um, so on that note, uh, watch the money and you know what you should watch the water. And I don't mean like drip drip. I mean like look at the stocks for water. Uh, that is one of the most important things you should be looking at. Um, water movements, states, investments in water, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. For those of you on Twitch, we're going to be reading. God bless everyone. See you on Thursday. Quantum connection, connect to the source. And when you get the chills, you connect it to the force. High vibrations, truth with motivations. Trolls wanting time, but it's no time for wasting. We get in the work, you get in the education. Stop being the sheep, this is a special occasion. Mayday, mayday, on the payday, payday. So we got the mobile ads, they gon' hear what we say. Money and power, that's what they chase. So we ain't on up online with no face, just voices. No group think we make choices. You can keep that fancy talking Rolls Royces. Laptop from hell, man, it's so wrong. And you can look it up on lookingglass.com. 
incest. Think he friends with princess. And he closed his accounts and lost all the interest. Fake broke, we gon' follow the banknote. And we know you all cheated by using the fake vote. And it stops right now. No more scandemic. Got plenty of dirt with grassroots in it. Eat order. Just one drop is in order. And we gotta win for our sons and our daughters. All of those kids that's trapped on those borders. So we save the world. We ain't cutting no corners. My body, my choice. You can keep your jabs. We definitely don't need.